As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Having a baby in America is expensive. By one measure, the average cost for a normal delivery in the United States is $11,000. That's more than twice as much as in Switzerland. It's even more expensive than the deluxe suite in the private wing of a London hospital, where Kate Middleton and other British royals have given birth. And in the U.S., the price can vary wildly depending on what hospital you go to, even within the same city. You might think that the high price would mean the care is superior, but that's not the case. The United States healthcare system has alarming rates of poor outcomes for mothers and their newborns. Welcome to Prognosis, Bloomberg's podcast about the future of healthcare. I'm your host, Michelle Fay Cortez. Americans pay higher prices than people in other countries for similar medical services, and the most expensive services are not necessarily the best. Bloomberg News health reporter John Tazi looked at one health plan that's trying to use the millions of dollars it spends each year on births to lower costs and improve outcomes for mothers. Sarah Rothstein pays for a lot of babies. Well, she doesn't pay herself, but the health plan she runs does. My name is Sarah Rothstein. I'm the director of the 32BJ Health Fund. That's a big union health plan based in New York. It's affiliated with the Service Employees International Union. So our union members are office cleaners, they're security guards, they're building doormen and women, building maintenance people. The union negotiates contracts with employers on behalf of its members. As part of those contracts, employers contribute money to the health fund to pay for workers' medical care. If you live in a big Manhattan apartment building, or your company rents office space in the city, you're probably paying for some of the union's medical expenses. The 32BJ Health Fund spends more than a billion dollars each year on medical care. It covers about 200,000 people, both union members and their families. And every year, some of those people have babies. And in our plan, we pay for about 1,300 births a year, nearly 1,000 of which are in downstate New York and in New Jersey. Having a baby is the top reason for planned hospital admissions among members of the 32BJ plan. And the fund spends more than $20 million a year on those births. The fund hires an outside company that administers its plan, but the fund pays the expense of medical care itself. So Sarah wants to keep costs in check while getting the best care for plan members. In 2018, Sarah and her team started analyzing the fund's data on childbirth. And they found two big surprises. Sarah told me about it recently in her office on 18th Street in Manhattan. The first big surprise was that prices for childbirth were all over the map. 
We could be paying $10,000 or we could be paying $30,000, depending on the hospital that someone had their baby at. So just same procedure. Same procedure. Same region. Same region. Same health plan. Same health plan. And the difference in cost ranged from? About $10,000 to about $30,000 just for a vaginal delivery. Sarah says union members were also surprised. They said, you know, we assume that some hospitals would cost a little bit more. Maybe they're in a nice location. Maybe the facilities look a little bit nicer. But when you have some hospitals charging so much more than others, that makes us feel like we're being ripped off. The second thing Sarah discovered was that the plan had a really big problem with the quality of maternity care. Women giving birth experienced serious, unexpected problems such as blood transfusions, kidney failure, or heart failure, twice as often as the national average. She also found that women on the plan experienced a high rate of episiotomies. That's an incision to widen the vaginal opening. Experts say it should happen in only about 5% of births, but a quarter of the births that 32BJ paid for involved episiotomies. And 40% of the deliveries were cesarean sections where the baby is surgically removed through the mother's abdomen. C-sections are riskier and more expensive than vaginal births. Sarah was stunned. The hospitals where her members were giving birth build themselves as world-class medical institutions. We have several academic medical centers in New York. We have a lot of high-quality care in New Jersey and hospitals that advertise themselves as providing only the highest quality care and only care that's medically necessary. But the hospitals didn't seem to measure up to those promises. And so it was really shocking to us to see that the hospitals that our members were using, which advertise themselves as some of the best quality hospitals in the country, um, aren't necessarily the safest for our members. Sarah found costs that varied widely among hospitals, and she found big quality problems. And the most expensive care wasn't necessarily better. What we've been finding after reviewing a number of episodes is that there is not a correlation between cost and quality. So higher cost doesn't mean higher quality. Lower cost doesn't mean lower quality. This isn't just a problem when it comes to maternity care. And it's not just a problem for the 32BJ fund. Across the healthcare system, the price of care doesn't reflect how good the care is. Let's step back for a minute to consider how healthcare prices are set in the United States. Some prices are set by the government in programs like Medicare and Medicaid. These public programs are giant purchasers of healthcare. They spend hundreds of billions of dollars a year. They have a lot of buying power, so the government can decide how much to pay. On the other hand, if you're one of the 28 million Americans with no health insurance, you have zero buying power. The supplier of medical care, a hospital or doctor, can set their prices as high as they like. Unless you qualify for a charitable discount, that's the price and you're stuck with it. Private health plans like the 32BJ Health Fund exist in between these two extremes. Employers and unions hire health insurance companies to negotiate with medical providers. The prices they pay are higher than what the government pays because these groups don't have as much buying power. But private health plans usually pay less than what a hospital would charge someone with no insurance at all. 
each of these negotiations between health plans and medical providers is separate and hidden. The Trump administration is trying to force hospitals and insurers to make their privately negotiated prices public. The industry is fighting the plan. Hospitals and insurers want to keep these rates secret. They argue that their contracts are private, and revealing the details could actually push costs up. Some experts say this lack of transparency contributes to a lot of the crazy price differences that we see in healthcare. But if you look at how much C-sections cost, both nationally and in any given city, there's uh, a huge range from as low as four or $5,000 in Knoxville, Tennessee, to as high as $40,000 in San Francisco. This is Niall Brennan. I'm the CEO of the Healthcare Cost Institute. Niall's research group analyzes data from health insurance companies to better understand costs. The data is anonymized, so you can't identify patients, insurers, or particular hospitals. But Niall can look at the prices that insurers pay hospitals in the private market, the amount of money that actually changes hands. Then if you look at San Francisco, just the San Francisco area, uh, the price of a C-section can range from $15,000 to Again, $40,000. Just like Sarah found in New York, prices are all over the place. In a functioning market, Niall says buyers would gravitate to the lower-priced services. So imagine a world where a computer or a Toyota Camry, you know, could range from $15,000 to $40,000. There would be absolute outrage, right? And everybody would you know, flock to the $15,000 product. Even simple commodity services like basic lab tests that are performed all the time don't have standard prices. We found that the price of blood tests in our data um, varied from, you know, as low as $20 or $30 to as high as, you know, $900, $900 plus. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Healthcare providers point out that they lose money on a lot of the patients they see. Government programs like Medicare and Medicaid set prices, and hospitals say they often don't pay enough to cover expenses. Hospitals also point out that they have to treat people in emergencies regardless of the ability to pay. The industry has to comply with complex regulations, and it often can't control the cost of its inputs, 
like labor or medication. Hospitals say the higher prices they sometimes charge to commercial health plans are necessary to keep the doors open. The American Hospital Association points out that the price of similar services varies among hospitals because of factors particular to each facility and episode of care. Some hospitals may treat patients with more complex needs or have additional expenses related to training medical residents. The average person who walks into a hospital or doctor's office won't know ahead of time what they'll be charged for a given test or procedure. You typically pay the same copay to your health plan. If you have a deductible, you may have to pay the entire amount. But you might not find out that you owe $900 rather than $20 for the same blood test until the bill comes weeks later. Health insurance companies could exclude high-cost providers, and sometimes they do. But they can't do that in markets where a big hospital system dominates. And even in more competitive markets, they're often reluctant to cut powerful providers out of their networks. Remember, Niles' data shows the amounts that insurance companies actually pay, and it shows wild price spreads across all the services he's looked at. C-sections, lab tests, mammograms, MRIs, um, all uh, exhibit uh, in incredible and unwarranted variation that can really only be explained by the fact that people have realized that they can get away with it. Some prices are higher because people can get away with it. At the 32BJ Health Fund, Sarah Rothstein examined what her health plan was spending, and she came to a similar conclusion. Our theory, um, you know, which we can't prove because we don't have access to the contracts between the hospitals and the insurers, is that some of the health systems are able to use their market power to demand higher prices. Giving birth is a more complex procedure than a lab test. But Sarah said the health fund sees variation in prices across procedures big and small. And the fund doesn't know how its insurance carrier negotiates those rates with hospitals. Unless we were to go to the hospitals directly and negotiate a price, we don't know how the prices are set. So, for example, if our member has a baby at the hospital, we don't know if there is a different price for a vaginal delivery or a C-section. We don't know if the doctors are getting paid more if they're performing an episiotomy than if they aren't. The health fund is paying the bills, but it doesn't know how prices are set or whether doctors have an incentive to provide certain types of care that could be riskier for women. And last year, the 32BJ Health Fund decided to try to change that. Sarah wants to use the health plan's buying power, the billion-plus dollars it spends on medical care every year, to reward hospitals that are providing high-quality care at lower prices. And in particular, he wants to use the plan's clout in the market to improve maternity care. The first thing the health fund did was give its members an incentive to avoid the highest cost facilities in the New York area. That began in April 2019. We now have preferred hospitals and non-preferred hospitals, and having a baby at a preferred hospital is $100. Having a baby at a non-preferred hospital is $1,000, so that's a big price difference. That wasn't just for maternity care. 
The health plan told its members that they would face $1,000 copays for planned inpatient services at several big hospitals, such as New York Presbyterian, because it found the prices at those facilities to be significantly higher than other hospitals. At other facilities, such as Mount Sinai, the normal $100 copay applies. The plan was careful to explain to members why copays at certain hospitals went up by so much. One mailing showed how the plan's costs compared at different hospitals. The average cost for having a baby at a non-preferred hospital was $7,000 more than at preferred hospitals. The plan reminded union members that their employers pay up to $20,000 a year for health care, and rising costs left less money for wages. Then, last summer, Sarah announced that the 32BJ plan would launch a program to encourage its members to give birth at the best-performing hospitals, the ones that would deliver high quality at reasonable prices. The plan calls it the Better Births Maternity Program. Sarah invited hospitals to apply to join it, and to get into the program, they'd have to reveal detailed information about their practices. We really wanted to get under the hood of the data and understand what was behind the good numbers at the hospitals that were performing better and how they were holding their providers accountable. Um, So really kicking the tires to make sure they were doing all of the hard work that leads to better data and better outcomes um, to make sure that it wasn't just by luck or by happenstance. Sarah shared a copy of the request that she sent to hospitals. It's 19 pages and it includes dozens of detailed questions. It asks about whether the hospitals limit women's health services like sterilization or contraception. It asks if lactation consultants and doulas are on staff. It asks for detailed data on the kind of serious harm to mothers that the plan is trying to reduce. They had to meet certain quality criteria off the bat. And then they also had to provide us with an enormous amount of data, as well as providing attestation that they're adhering to the best practices as set forth by national and state organizations who have done a lot of work to figure out what leads to higher quality maternity care. She even asked about some things that the hospitals hadn't looked at themselves. The fund nudged hospitals to provide data on maternal harm in terms of race and ethnicity. Women of color experience higher rates of maternal harm, a fact that's drawn increasing attention in the medical world. One of the areas for concern for us was racial and ethnic disparities amongst maternal outcomes. There's significant data that shows that black women are particularly at risk and other women of color are at much higher risk for adverse outcomes when they're having a baby. But when the fund asked hospitals how often women of color suffered adverse events related to childbirth, some of them couldn't answer. And a number of hospitals said, we want to work to do this. We'll commit to getting this data to you in the future, but we don't have the data broken out that way as of today. And that was interesting for us to hear, because if you're not measuring something, you can't figure out if you have a problem or if you have to fix it. In the fall, Sarah met in person with hospital leaders to explain why the 32BJ Health Fund wanted all this information. 
and to learn more about how the facilities tried to ensure good outcomes in their maternity care. And so they've been good conversations. Um, We've learned a lot about how hospitals are holding providers accountable, how they're changing clinical models in their hospital. And they've learned a lot about a purchaser who is really concerned about the well-being of its plan participants. When I spoke to Sarah in January, the plan hadn't yet announced which providers would be included. But 32BJ will soon start telling its members which hospitals, doctors, and midwives have met the standards to join the Better Births program. And it will offer some perks for mothers to go to these providers. The plan will rebate the $100 copay that members would otherwise have to pay. There'll also be a basket of stuff for mom and baby. So mom will get a nice gown. She'll get some Burt's Bees products, um, things that will maybe make her feel a little bit better after delivery. And then there'll be a choice of a big thing for baby. So could be um, a baby carrier, a car seat. 32BJ will also promote the program to women on its plan. The health fund will send mailings and emails a few times a year, directing people to a website with information about the hospitals in the program and why they've been selected. Sarah says that some members in focus groups said they want help choosing the best providers. And across the board, they said they really trust us to recommend programs to them. They also really had a range of experience in maternity care. Some people who'd had a first or second child had good experiences. Some people had really bad experiences. And a number of people said, I really don't know how to get the information that I need um, and would welcome the health fund providing me with this information and figuring out what are some of the good choices for me to make. Over the next few years, Sarah and her staff will track how many women choose to use providers in the new program. And they'll also measure the rates of C-sections, episiotomies, and incidents of harm to mothers. By steering members to the best, lowest cost providers, Sarah hopes to raise the bar across the entire market. There's a role for purchasers to really push healthcare providers on quality, that they're not necessarily being pushed by other entities. And this helps us serve our members better as well as the rest of the public. What the 32BJ Fund is doing is unusual, but it's worth asking why it's so extraordinary. Lots of big, sophisticated companies spend plenty of money on healthcare. They have an incentive to spend it wisely, and they all hire insurance companies to administer their plans. Those insurers could apply the same kind of pressure on hospitals that the 32BJ fund is. But Sarah said that really hasn't happened for maternity care. And even the hospitals that are interested in participating have told us they've never been asked by anyone for that level of quality data, which was shocking to us. Um, And a number of hospitals also said that You know, until recently, they themselves weren't looking at the quality data for maternity care, which was shocking to us as well. For much of the last 20 years, there's been a lot of talk about how Americans need to be smarter consumers of health care. Employers raised health insurance deductibles so people would have more skin in the game and shop for care more carefully. They've effectively asked individuals to use their buying power to make the market work better. But people don't have good information on which providers are the best, 
or how much they cost. A lot of the information that moms would need is hard to get from hospitals. It's not publicly available. And even a sophisticated consumer might have a hard time figuring out how to wade through hundreds of data points to figure out what the right facility is for them. And the employers that pay for health care, for the most part, haven't been doing what Sarah is doing, using their own collective buying power to try to improve the health care system. It's ultimately our goal to have equally high quality care and low prices everywhere so that members can go wherever they want. But until that happens, we think it's to our advantage and to our plan participants' advantage to steer plan participants to healthcare facilities that are lower cost and high quality. Higher costs don't mean better care. There are already some healthcare providers that deliver good care at lower prices. They're proof that the system doesn't have to be as expensive as it is, and that it can perform better than it often does. On this season of Prognosis, we've looked at a lot of the ways the American healthcare system is broken, how it costs too much, and how it often fails people. It's a complicated problem, and there's no single solution. But one place to start is with the entities who are ultimately paying for a system that doesn't work very well. Few big purchasers of healthcare look carefully at where their dollars are going. If more of them did, maybe we'd all feel better about what we're paying for. And that's it for this season of Prognosis. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with the new season soon. But until then, you can see what our health team is up to by going to www.bloomberg.com backslash prognosis. Do you have a story about healthcare in the U.S. or around the world? We want to hear from you. We're on Twitter at Faye Cortez or at JTaws. If you are a fan of this episode, please take a moment to rate and review us. It really helps new listeners find the show. And don't forget to subscribe. This episode was produced by Laura Carlson. Our story editor was Rick Schein. Special thanks to Drew Armstrong, healthcare team leader, and Francesca Levy, who's head of podcasts at Bloomberg. Thanks so much for listening. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.